have any car payments. We didn't have any credit card. We never had credit cards really after the first two years we were married anyway. And we didn't have anything else out there. That all we basically had was a mortgage and that's the mortgage. And then we, and then we put a big, we saved up a lot of money. We had a nice pad, you know, just, mm -hmm. just raise the transition. Fun. Yeah. Do you make good money but have nothing to show for it? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you have big dreams for your financial future? Do you want to get debt-free but you don't want to live on beans and rice? Or you don't want to give up those pumpkin spice lattes? Hey, it's okay if you don't already know how to budget or if you're using credit cards to get through the month. Hey, it's okay if you want to seem like you have your finances all together or you're not on the same page with your spouse when it comes to finances. We know what you're doing probably isn't working, but guess what? You're in the right place. We're Shayna and Vanessa. We're best friends, business partners, and fi master financial coaches trained by Dave Ramsey. We've been in business since 2019, helping hundreds of amazing people like you create budgets, get out of debt, stop living paycheck to paycheck, and know exactly what to do with their money. In this podcast, we'll share with you everything we know, plus everything we're working on with our clients so that you have the best chance at reaching your financial goals. We want to help you take the guesswork out of your budget, improve your marriages, and even bring your kids in on the conversation. We can help you no matter where you're at, whether you're the single mom who's never had $500 in her savings account or the millionaire who's paid off four real estate mortgages. And we're not going to shy away from the tough love. We'll tell you what you need to hear and encourage you at the same time. This is the Ideal Balance Podcast. We are so excited to have Chris Roberson here to talk about <laughs> budgeting military the military way. Huh? Yeah, we're going to talk about so many things when it comes to military finances because we've walked that and, and he's really knowledgeable about all that. So we're talking about how to budget as a military family, the, the different opportunities there are to make money mm -hmm. and to and, and things to take advantage of in the military that we because we have so many clients in the military, we are, a mil we are located near the military people. So a lot of our clients can tend to be military. Plus, we just want to put this out there because, you know, for us personally, if we had known this stuff, might have been a little bit easier earlier on in our in our military career. Yeah. And so here's just some things maybe you wish you learned, some things you wish that somebody had taught you or told you uh, earlier on in your military career. And so here we go. Some lessons learned. Hello, Mr. Roberson. <laughs> you got to say words. So we're excited to have you. I know you're, I, I realize, I can't say this if you're uh, listening to the podcast, mm -hmm. but we're both wearing military green, which is really silly. It's just not necessary, but it's, maybe it was just a, you know, subconscious thing. So go ahead and but to happen. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and such. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I'm married to Shana. I don't know if she uh, said that, but so I'm Chris, married to Shana <laughs> for now for almost 20 years, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> My background, they've asked me to come here and uh, kind of give a, almost like a lessons learned of things I did right, things I did wrong from a money perspective while I was in the Air Force. I joined the Air Force in 2000 and I spent 20 years and I said I wouldn't do a day over 20. Well, I did a day, I did 28 days over 20, so right. but they kind of made me do yeah. that. So it turns out there was a little rule there, but I got to go all over the country. I got to do some stints overseas, um, lots of TDYs, some deployments. And, uh, and when I got out in March, March 1st of 2020, mm -hmm. so it was outstanding timing because the world shut down two weeks later, didn't see that coming. And luckily some of the things that I had put into practice as far as finances 
later in my career really set us up for success and not to be stressed out during that time, which could have gone much differently. So. Yes. I think that's so important because if many of you remember, oh boy, we started our business April 1st, 2020. So this is like all really great timing. Yeah. It all went well, like really well. And according to everybody's plan, right? Yeah. All right. So we're just going to dive in here. So tell us what are some unique challenges that military people face when it comes to budgeting? Mm -hmm. Well, first things first, definitely learned this really early on in my career. There, everything stupid you can do with money will be located within five minutes of a military base because they know exactly what they're doing. They are, they, they know they have a lot of young folks, a lot of 18, 19 year olds that may or may not be near family or have even a family structure that's really established back home. They can kind of guide their way through that. So you name it, payday loans, pawn stores, car dealerships especially like used car dealerships. There's a lot of things out there like actually, that. I actually want to, yeah, I actually want to say that they eventually fixed the payday loan places and said that they could no longer do that with military folks. But that's the reason why is because they were so predatory on that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the uh, big problems you're going to face as a new person, unless you have some, the right kind of guidance to make sure you don't take yeah. advantage of those things. And yeah. Lots of temptation. Lots of temptation. <laughs> Tattoo shop. Yeah. You name well, it, and, some other things. Not gonna, yeah. But like, I think it's important what you said that you're away from your family structure. So even, so you know, what, what we talk about all the time is nobody taught you how to budget, but your mom might have told you like, no, you're not going to go buy that car if you were, went, went, if you had dinner with her once a week or something, right. you know, because you were at home. So, so you're away, not, not only did any, none of us learn about budgeting for the most part, and then you're away from anybody who's going to help you make a good decision. Because the only people that you're living with are other young people that are also probably making bad money decisions. And that's, so that makes it harder. Yeah, that's what I'm just going to say. It's like, okay, even if maybe your mom or your parents every once in a while spoke about it, now you're completely put into a new environment with new people Mm -hmm. who are maybe doing these things. And you're like, oh, that that actually worked out for them. That looks pretty good. I'm going to do that too. And so you're easily influenced. Yeah, it's like a new version of keeping up with the Jones. For sure. But you're also lonely. Yeah. You're stressed out. You're working weird hours. You're, you know, like you're, you have a new job. It's, it's a lot going on to, which is when people tend to make bad financial decisions anyway. So there's just a lot going on for a young or just a, like a new person. Like when we moved to Alaska, we didn't have any money to spend. But if we had credit cards, you know, I would have been racking them up because they opened a Target right next to <laughs> you. didn't do that. Well, that is one thing that they will do. Um, a lot of these places work and function off of credit and they know that we are less risky uh, customers oh, because they also know that they can come to the base and the, the base leadership, so to speak, and your unit leadership mm-hmm. to get that money from you. So they know that they're, it's a safe bet for them. Yeah, it's a safer bet because you have steady income that's guaranteed as a, way more so than any other job. And then... The ones that know what they're doing mm-hmm. there, they do know that they have other, re- it's not just they can repossess your car. They can go to your employer right. who will right. be on their side as the creditor, not the employee, um, because like your first shirt or whatever, they'll go and you can get disciplined financially. Plus, then you have the whole security risk that can go into all of that. So it's just, yeah. it's all a mess. Military mo- and money, is, it's great. Yeah, it's really great. It's so yeah. great. 
What other train wrecks have, ha- have happened with well, your pay? The train wreck that you will experience pretty much every time that you PCS, for those that may not be familiar, uh, permanent change of station, meaning every time you move to a new station. Okay. And sometimes that's an easy uh, transition, sometimes it's okay. not, but you're a lot of, much of your pay, of course, is focused on where you're at. So mm-hmm. you're going to have these allowances, your, your basic pay, like mm-hmm. what you get paid for your rank, that goes with you. It doesn't really change. However, you're going to have different amounts of money uh, that you make based on that zip code and what the cost of living is in that zip code, which is what that's based on. So that changes every time it you move. It changes every time you move. And depending on where you're at, it can go way down. It can also go way up. Now. And that's scary, especially when you're used to maybe living a certain lifestyle that's because true. of a zip code yeah. allowance or whatever. And a lot of the problem that comes with that as well, particularly for married individuals, is they their spouse at that job, that whatever they're working, if they are working a duck, yeah. that's may not be going with them. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when we moved from Alaska, we were actually making quite a bit of money in Alaska based on all the different allowances and stuff that they give you in Alaska. And my wife was working at, at a job there as well. But we moved to Florida. We lost something. Who's your wife? Just kidding. That's this that, my that's wife. That's me. Okay, that's me. We lost something along the lines of four thousand dollars a month. Yep, no big deal. In difference, which was, of course, that that's huge. So yeah, we did the same thing when we moved to Virginia. Like yeah. it was a lot of money every time we moved. And I and we've actually been talking about that. We need to do a podcast about what what in our in our clients that are not making as pro- progress as fast, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And one of them is they're changing jobs too free or frequently changing jobs or several, several changes of jobs, like within a time period and moving mm-hmm. like those two things are storm modes. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have a military person that is doing that every four years, minimum, usually, you know, if the spouse is working, obviously that's, but even, sure. but even if they're not, the military members pay is completely fluctuating every right. time you move. And Moving it's expensive, even though the military pays for a lot of it, they may not pay for it until after. And there's so many things that go into moving that you don't even think about that they're not going to paying for. So I have a cousin who her husband was in the Coast Guard. And so every time he moved, which was a lot for promotion, she had to she was going to school for nursing. And so she had to stop, mm-hmm. find a different school, stop. Because she had to go in person at that point. And so anyways, I think it took her, I want to think she said 10 years to get her four-year nursing degree because of how many times they moved. And she said, I just, and the the amount of student loans or the amount of money they paid for schooling because it it didn't always transfer things like that. Like it was really stressful on them for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons that you learn (laughs) that you would not have learned otherwise because you don't, you don't move so often normally. So you don't don't learn so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can you share some Practical tips in creating and sticking to a budget while serving in the military? Sure. Okay. We have. So completely outside my head. So the, the thing I actually um, was pretty proud of myself for going up with at some point was um, they, so what I decided to do was what you have in there. And, you know, it's not just the military, but, you know, you can do this anywhere. But what I decided to do was do what's called an allowance. So what that meant they were setting aside a certain amount of money out of my paychecks, so I got paid twice a month. They took, if it was, let's just say, for instance, you know, you have a car payment. I think the average car payment was like 500 bucks right now or something like that. But so I would say, okay, I, I, want, I want, yeah, it might be more now, but I want, I want this car payment set aside to go into this account every single first of the month. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is like, Hey, I need to have an allotment set up. So let's say it's, you know, I buy the car on the 2nd of February mm-hmm. and then I say, hey, I want this allotment to come out to cover my car payment that begins the 1st or 2nd of March or whatever. 
And so they will take $250 for my middle of the middle of February paycheck mm -hmm. and $250 for my end of the month paycheck. And then it will go into that account. So I took that. And I mean, of course, everybody knows that and a lot of people already take advantage of that. But what I ended up doing was essentially establishing myself an entirely separate checking account. And then I took every single bill that I had mm -hmm. and said, okay, every bill is going to be auto drafted from this account mm -hmm. on the second or third of the month or whatever, whatever the bill was. And I said, okay, so now my total bills might be, I don't know, two to $3,000 talking about mortgage, rent, whatever, right. car, all that coming out of this one account. That's so cute. So Remember then, when our total bills might've been two to three? <laughs> no, it's not. I would love to have that. Yeah. <laughs> no. So then I said, okay, well, that means I'm going to set this up now. And so now that instead of taking a small amount of money out of my paychecks, they're taking $100 out of my paychecks every, you know, and that was, but that covered every single bill and not, not only was it covered because it was auto drafted out of there I never had to look at it yeah. somewhere towards the middle of the month. I would look in there and make sure every bill came out that was supposed to come out yeah. and that was it. Yeah. And, and I, it was really kind of hands off. It really helped out. Like if I went to, on a, on a trip like TDY or the woman or whatever, I knew it was covered and I didn't really have to stress out over it. And that really yeah. took a lot of stuff off, you know, just to stress off us. Yeah. Now that's not speaking for like groceries and stuff like that. That was, that was coming out of a separate budget. Because that's spending. Yeah. Like Zestly, yeah. the bills account is created. Yeah. The bill, the bill system that we teach that with boards. But I think, and, and so that, that's exactly what we tell our clients to do with their, yeah. with their bills. It's just, they don't necessarily have an allotment, but they're keeping, they're not even seeing right. part of their paycheck because it's going into the bills account. And then only what they see is what they're spending or saving and for different things. But I think one thing that you hit on, and it, it happened when I started financial coaching with military family, is when I was gone, I didn't have to worry about it. So, so many times, you know, somebody's gone or uh, TDY or, or deployed or whatever, and you don't want to have to worry about money. And this is such a great system to set up because it's automatically paying your bills. Yeah. So then, yes, there's a little bit of the monthly spending and groceries and stuff that you guys have to manage, but the bills are set up, accounted for, allotted for, literally. Mm -hmm. And then also they're being paid automatically. And so as a military member, you can have peace of mind. My family's taking care sure. of. Everything's good. And I'm just going to stay focused on the mission and doing what I need to do. Yep. I think that's right. so, I, it's so good. I remember when Shane moved back to Florida in 2019 and we were talking about this before, our, before we even started our business. And she was like, yeah, we have a bills account. I was like, oh my gosh, me too. And it was just so funny how we both had done this a completely different way for different reasons, unknowingly, right? And then that that became our business model because it worked so well for us. And we saw it, they saw it work in their military way. My husband gets paid weekly. And it was really easy for us to just put money away each week. So when the bills were paid, that's kind of how that worked. And it was just, it was just so nice peace of mind to know. I don't ever have to even look at the bills account, maybe once a month to monitor, but like knowing that you only have to focus on your spending stuff, like it was just really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helps you really know what your bills are, you know, oh, so yeah. it's, it's like a mini budget within the budget because you can say, oh, I, you know, you're like, wow, oh, my bills are really high. Maybe it just gives you another opportunity to look at yeah. that real quick. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Tell us about how much help you get in the military to learn how to budget it and do personal budget. <laughs> okay. Not, okay. Conversation over. Done. No, just kidding. Next. So this, this question will vary based on experience and based on in, my, in what branch you're in. Mm -hmm. um, so I can only speak from the Air Force perspective. I have worked a lot with a lot of Army in the past. And, you know, we've been friends with a lot of Army. Mm -hmm. And they'll give me a complete perspective on what they've experienced. So, again, I'm only focused on the Air Force perspective. And then, of course, my 
Mm-hmm. But in my experience, the Air Force is largely individualistic. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're not, you're, it's not this giant group of people that are being closely controlled. It's, it's, that's, you know, that's why the army is the army, Air Force, Air Force. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we, a lot of times we're going to go out and do our own, you know, physical training, our own PT training, PT on your own, go to the gym on your own, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more you know, self done. Mm-hmm. Same thing with travel. We uh, rearrange our own travel. And I know the other branches do this sometimes too, but we'll go in, we're, we're in charge of coming up with our own plane tickets and orders and stuff. And then we put it on a government card that they that were issued a credit card, much in the same way they rely on us to kind of manage our own finances. Well, so hold on, before you, just the contrast is the, a lot of the other branches, they do all of that stuff together as a team. Some so depends on the, it's going to depend on the unit, of course, but it's, and it depends on. So they travel as a unit for the most part, they, they PT as a unit as an, or some sort of. Right. They're going, they're going, they might be, if they're going as a big group, then that's all going to, a lot of that's going to come, Yeah, you know, be, somebody's going to be doing that for right. you. Now, this also comes back to finances. So in the Air Force, you, you have, you know, in every branch, you have a supervisor, somebody who is directly responsible for you. And, and when it's, it's, it's not the same as supervisor, like from a, from a civilian company, like mm-hmm. these guys are going to be involved in your personal life. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the supervisor you get, at least in my experience, if they're going to talk to you about finances. So me personally, as a supervisor, as I, you know, you know, I had been in for a while. I started focusing more on finances for my, for my people, because it was personally, it was important to me and it was important for me to relay the information mm-hmm. outside of one conversation that my supervisor had with me when I was basically eating out for lunch, every single meal, he was, this guy was really smart with money. And he was just like, have you ever added up, you know, what that costs you every time he basically explained to me, you know, great. Add You're that stupid. up, add that up, you're being stupid with money. Yeah. Stop doing that. Bring your own food. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cute. You know? And I just kept doing it anyway. Reality was right. He was that was yeah, that, that was the that was the cheap. most that was the most financial coaching I had gotten. Period. Really, in the Air Force and in your mid twenties. Because I want to pause there before you go on to say what you did as a supervisor. So you know you you've been in the military for four years at least, and the point where you have the least amount of money in the most crucial time. Yeah, you, you really need to know no dollar bill. Yeah. Right, and they no, have or, no in the Air Force. Probably will step in is when it's too late. That, well, that's my point. So there, we did have some education opportunities. I remember seeing them pop up and we never went because we were very against buying a home until we were going to be in some place for a long time. But they were always how to buy a home <laughs> and how to get a credit card or improve your credit score. Like those were all the yeah. education yeah. classes that they would, they would slash. Which are all, which are all optional. You have, oh yeah. You sure. go to these classes. There are both. Now, now, if you're, now, if you're a supervisor, of course you can make sure people go to these classes, yeah. but. Um, a lot of times, you know, you may not have time. The mission may not have give you that kind of time. So yeah. it's going to be very piece by case basis, at least in the Air Force. Now, from what my, you know, Army friends have told me, it's, it is, they do, it's not a lot, I think I want to say monthly, but it might, it might be quarterly or something like that. Meetings with their troops and they counsel them. They are deeply involved in their finances. For, really? For new, oh yeah. For new folks. New, I was going to say. Yeah, for the like new folks and and I as I you know and enlisted too, I would say the more the more army I was around, you know, throughout my career, I actually came to realize that it they were better at handling money on a, on average okay. than than the Air Force folks. Now, I say this is everybody, but I'm saying that they were they were coached and counseled on a much mm-hmm. better. I think they had they have they've been around longer. They have. They have seen so many bombs blow up in marriages, relationships, 
finances for the army that I think they've they've gotten better at counseling a lot of that stuff because you know the army has some really bad stats for some of that stuff and all of it I mean everybody does but so I can see that versus like you said the air force is like you're on your own I believe you're going to do great unless, unless until it's time to take your seniority clearance then we'll talk <laughs> yeah. so they so I actually remember these flyers being all over the gym and stuff like that it'd be like how to buy a car you know and it was basically had like an outline on it and it was come to this class and learn how to go get a loan go get this go get that yeah. I'm like Everything was always based on debt and credit and, and whatnot. Not, like, not what, building wealth, like, not budgeting. Yeah. Well, it's how to, how to make, basically maintain a good credit. Yeah. Great. And, There's and other how, parts. And how to, to buy some and how, how to buy a car and stuff like that, which is, which is important knowing how to negotiate a car, but you know, why not, why not pay cash if you can, or like more encourage people right. to pay cash. So tell us a few of, so, so we got nothing. We figured it out. We did a really great <laughs> job, as you know, just kidding. But so you finally got the opportunity to be a supervisor. And really also what happened, what coincided, we did a lot of FPU. We did like three FPU back to back. Or, you know, we did the one. That that you yeah. And so that coincided when you started, I think, having some of these conversations with these troops. So give us some some things, some examples. Well, um, this, is a, this is kind of a, a sad example, I suppose you would say. Yes. I, so when I was, again, this is going to be later in the career, like the last five years, I started coming up with classes and I would actually put together a class and, and tell people like, hey, stop mm -hmm. relying on debt so much because mm -hmm. I did it, you know, right. and I realized how big of a mistake it was later. And, and when I said like the Air Force will step in, or at least I keep saying the Air Force, but what I'm saying is the, the supervisors, this particular supervisor or leadership will step in when it was already too late. Mm -hmm. So for instance, this, this one person that I tried to help, she, she had several student loans, mm -hmm. a car loan, and then credit cards and was not good at managing it. And like I said, you, in the, in the military, they give you what's called a government travel card and that you're supposed to use this government travel card when you go to a TDY or potentially go, you know, depending on deployment, it might be a deployment. And that's how you're buying your, your meals. That's how you're paying for your hotel and all that. And all that is charged on that, your airline tickets. Well, the government travel card is still a credit card and it's, it's, and it's owned by one of the major banks. Like it might be Bank of America or yeah. group or something like that. that it's changed over the years. Um, well, if you have really bad credit, they're not giving you this credit card. So guess what? One of your number one ways to make some extra cash is on TDYs or on deployments. But now you can't even, your credit is so bad that these guys won't give you this card. So now it's completely inconvenient to send you. So now you can't even go make that extra well, money because make you can't even get the car. That's also part so, of why you join the military is to go have these adventures and stuff. That and you can't do it because you're a credit score. Yep. So they issue you these cards in your name. It's not like yes. that you, they, you are required to obviously get credits, credits i you know? literally carried a government travel card in my wallet yeah. for years years and years now some units they're going to have more trust in individual people sure. than others so some of them will like the, the 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 person that's in charge of the unit finances they'll hold all those cards that would be she was in charge yeah. like, I you can come check it out hold no, and, they, and, like, i trust you you can have your card <laughs> Well, it's because, I mean, people, people will do stupid things. Yeah. So, and, and people have done many stupid things with those cars sure. and that's all checked on because it's all audited and stuff like that. But it's, it's, uh, that was one of the sadder examples. So I was trying to help her. I got her out of some of her debt, but I mean, it would, it, with her pay and the inability to go do TDYs or anything like that, she was, uh, it would have taken five to 10 years probably yeah. to get her out of that, out of that much debt. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah. pretty sad, yeah. but yeah, I started, I started counseling my folks and. And you, you know, basically 
I was more of a debt free or get out of, make sure just you're getting out of debt and then you're, you're investing in all that stuff. So right. Right. Later on. Okay. Well, what about some strategies, please? Strategies? What's the word called? Strategies. Like one thing I always liked is you really would research and figure out how to maximize whatever opportunities. And when you say TDY, like you would be super frugal while you were gone, so you would get that per diem right in your pocket and those spending it, yeah. which is, so that's like one of them. But what are some other things? That well, that's, a, that's honestly a huge one. You know, you're not going to be able to change. You're going to get paid for the hotel you stay in and not a penny more if you're staying in a hotel. Now, where I was able to make some extra cash was especially on the per diem. So they, let's just say they're going to give you 50 bucks a day for food. That's supposed to- Automatically, right? Doesn't matter if you use it or- Correct. Right. So well, you it, do, it's, you it's, do it's a full- you do use it. You use it to buy your food or you buy it. But it, they're going to give you enough to buy a modest meal out sure. at a restaurant, three meals a day. Mm-hmm. I never did this. I, I, I maybe I would eat out maybe every other day or maybe even every third day or something like that. And then I would go out to a grocery store and I would pick up just basic stuff like, you know, ring, ring books and, yes. and tuna, tuna packs and stuff like that. And I would come back and I would, you know, from a two-week ZDY, I might make 500 bucks, 500 right. bucks or something like that. Longer ones, I'd make a lot more, you know. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest ways I saved money because it's one of the ones, the few allowances drive. you would control, you know. Right. And then it's you'd also, yeah, you'd also drive, which is was a big one too. I don't know if you can do that. But yeah, I would always drive if it was a, I'd drive my own personal vehicle and I would get paid mileage mm-hmm. for doing that. It, they, I mean, it depends on the unit. A lot of times, or sometimes they'll, they don't want you to do that. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't have to pay for rental cars that yeah. they usually will help you out with that. Yeah. Well, so what else? Well, I guess that's basically the the big ones for the TDY portion of it. Mm-hmm. Deployments is another opportunity where you can start, you can make a lot of money. There's a lot of different, especially depending on where you go. Some places, if you're in like a hazardous zone, they're going to give you an extra, I think it's $250 a month or less of exchange. You're also going to get family separation. Well, that's an extra $500 a month. Mm-hmm. A lot, some of these places are actually tax-free. So that's going to be a big deal as well. Why is it important to use your money and then try to get back? Like when you're... Oh, you're so we're talking about as the travel card again. So, I mean, this is just my philosophy. A lot of other people think differently. And it can go both ways. But my philosophy was to get used when they gave you the government travel card, the credit card. You, I used that. I charged my meals on that, whatever I was allowed to. The meals, the hotel, gas, all that stuff. A lot of people... Would not do that. They were just like, I just, I just do it all myself. That way, I don't have to mess with paying back the government travel card. I'll, my opinion on it was, why on earth would I take money that I've already got in my wallet and then have to go get it back from the government later on? Because that's putting a, a level of bureaucracy in there that I don't want to deal with. However, there is other things that people do. So, if people have credit cards and they can get points for, especially for travel and whatnot, they would put everything on their their credit cards to to rack up those points. So, their own me, credit card. Their own credit card. So you didn't have to use the government travel card. You did for certain things, just but, but things like gas, um, meals, you know, because a lot of times those credit cards, you need more points for eating out gas and what's so like triple points. But right. then yeah. when the pay, when the, when you would fill out your, your, your voucher, what is it called? Travel voucher. Travel voucher. Yeah. You would put that on there and you get a split disbursement. One will go enough to pay off the credit, the debit, whatever it is. The yeah, credit card. You have a thousand dollar balance on your government travel card and then you get the money back from the TY. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're getting $1,500 back. I've only charged a thousand dollars on there for food and gas and whatnot. So a thousand dollars is going to go straight to my card and then I'm going to get the other 500 in my, yeah. in my account. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 
So that's what I, I mean by that. And my, again, my philosophy was like, let me keep my money and, yeah. you know, use this. Keep my own money. Another way that we made, we were able to make money was moving. We were able to make money a lot. Yeah. So I did. When did it's you get it right? Well, when it's possible, yeah. <laughs> when it's possible. Well, sometimes it's hard if you're moving overseas. Right? Yeah. It's called, yeah. so it's called a do it yourself move or a part of do it yourself. And the yeah. difference is a do it yourself move is when you literally, you move all of your stuff from, mm-hmm. from point A to point B. And then the, the military will give you a little payback. Yeah. yeah. Like whatever it costs you, you'll do a travel voucher and all this stuff. And then you get the money back what they pay. So again, cause you're, you're going to be paying for gas and whatever. Yeah. I think I, and I'm just, I'm just pulling numbers out here, but I want to say it was, they would pay you up to 90% of what it would cost a, a, a moving company. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I'm, I could be wrong on that figure, but now we did that. What? Three times? We got better each time. We got better each time. At least did, did a lot of waste. One time I had to get two trucks and every each one of those trucks cost me an arm and leg, of course, in gas and the trucks. And so sure. I got a much bigger truck that had a much bigger weight allowance coming mm-hmm. back. And I did make, I think, you know, or, you know, in a thousand mile PCS, I would make, you know, somewhere around $6,000 yeah. each time. For me, it was worth it. We like to work out, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, now we're we're younger. It was worth the extra money, but sure. If, but as a minimal, what I would always do is do a park bill. Yeah, yourself. As, as, again, if you can't, if you're going to, to Europe or something like that from yeah. the state side, yeah. you're yeah. not going to have much of a choice to do a to, to do it. But so so partial ditty is when you move some of the way. So if you have a truck or something that can tow, you go get one of those U-Haul trailers. Mm-hmm. You can load up, you know, two thousand, three thousand pounds in that trailer. And you'll get paid yeah. th- that weight, you know, in yeah. the district. In a trailer, you can save a lot of money, obviously, because the trailer doesn't use gas mm-hmm. and they're much cheaper to rent than a truck, you know. So mm-hmm. I would make roughly as close, you know, doing that as mm-hmm. I would move all of my stuff. Yeah. yeah. So basically the convenience sometimes didn't pay off here, right? Like for them doing it all. Oh, that, that's exactly what that's, I was going to say. That's because actually in my argument. Misnomer. Yeah. So if you... <laughs> I've seen it all at this point. Um, I know one individual who had the government move his stuff and it was a stateside. He was going stateside to stateside, so he could have driven. They, the, the trucker up and just quit yep. and left his stuff somewhere around Jacksonville, Florida. And it took them weeks to find his, yeah. his stuff. And so that was, that was, so I like it. I'm a control freak. Yeah. So I like being able to get there. I loaded my stuff. I'm done. I'm, when we moved to Virginia from here, we were done. Our house was set up in two days completely from the moment we got right. there and and then i got paid to do it so i mean for me that was a a control and the other part of that that i was going to say is when we moved to alaska we obviously couldn't move our well maybe we could have but we, we were not we, we had a fix goal. we we couldn't move ourselves and we had more stuff lost or broken yeah. we had that we had stuff lost or broken when whenever we moved ourselves that never happened yeah. and like chris said you don't have to wait because a lot of times you'll get like Though there's so many, like you said, it, even if you're working with a, you know, your own company, like yeah, hire yeah. them, they're still slow. They're right. doing it on their terms, their schedule. Right. You have to coordinate with them versus yeah. you're like, I just have to coordinate with, with my husband and it's much easier. So I actually yeah. think it's way more convenient and you have more security and safety over your own things because I, we have another friend. They got all of their stuff stolen during a move. Sorry, move PCS and because they weren't they were in control of it. Which I mean, obviously anything can happen anyway, any way you do it, but it just gives you more control. And some people freak out. One thing I learned about by doing it, some people freak out about the initial cost, right? So if it's gonna cost me fifteen hundred dollars to get a U-Haul truck, you know, 
they will give you this something called a dislocation allowance and they will will front you that. And then if you want to go beyond that, you can actually request some of the money, you know, you're going to get from doing all this upfront as well. So I, I I did that one time too. I got like 20% upfront, which was, which was nice to have. Yeah. So what do we learn here? It's elbow grease kickoffs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And also you get yes. extra steps. You save money. Your stuff is more secure. You yeah. get to move into your home at your own pace. It's really great. Okay. Let's talk about what happened in 2020. Just fast forward. What, what, what the pandemic or the No. Pandemic? No, when like a balance started. That's obviously the subject here. <laughs> no, when you retire, lots of more fun lessons okay. um, when you retire. So um, planning. Yes, very important to plan. I did not plan very well up for the majority of my career. Oh, I really, I would say I got my. But also uh, take all of his financial advice and tips. I, I got my. What's all lessons learned, right? That's yeah. the best yeah. way. So, yeah. Right around my, I would say, fourteen year mark, I, I got my financial crap together. Okay. Like, so Good I, so I had six, yeah, six years left to, to really straighten it out, and I did as Winnie. much as I could. But honestly, like if you think about. But you learned, and then you implemented, and it paid off. Right. right? A lot of people either didn't learn or they just didn't implement or they didn't think it mattered that much and then they get out and then it screwed you know like for lack of better words but like you learned 14 that year 14 and he had six years to right. turn that around and, you and it was possible yeah and it went 100 um, yeah so we i'm glad i did too because so i retired under the old system otherwise known as the high three meaning they take the highest three years you are your highest pay mm-hmm. for three years straight usually it's the last three yeah. years you're there and and then they pay you 50% of that for the rest of your life, right? So, and then you get some benefits on top of that. But mm-hmm. now it's changed and I, I didn't take part of it, but now they have what's called the blended mm-hmm. system. Yeah. One of the big tools to plan for retirement is something yeah. called the thrift saving plan or the TSP. Mm-hmm. This is the government's version of like a, a broad, you know, a 401k. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's, they just named them different funds, right? So the yeah. C fund, basically it mirrors the S and P 500, mm-hmm. the I fund is international funds and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And on that note, I would think this is a good time as any to say, when I say I wasn't financially coached. Oh gosh, we've made I, um, So I was investing in the Don't TSP. You, hold on before, let's make it worse. What did I use my TSP on? I don't know. You a bed? You bought a computer. A computer. That was really nice. Like, he pulled it out. Nice. I was paid like what a thirty percent. I'm sure like that so yeah. made sense, but I didn't yeah. go into debt for the computer. Does that does that count? Flight. I don't think you get flights. That was I was I and I was old enough to know better. It's like twenty five, right? But I didn't. I had zero idea about investing. Yeah, zero. Well, I, I did too. So so we were doing the TSP. I was doing it pretty much my whole career, but. What no one tells you is really about these funds. They just said, hey, make sure you do TSP. And it's really easy to set up, but you have to take it a step further and get in there and actually choose what fund right. you're going to put it in. Because like I said, there are about five funds. Well, the basic one that it automatically defaults to is something called the G fund, which is basically the low risk, very, very, well, not low very interest. low interest, but something like yeah. 5% interest. So during, I was in during 2008, 2009, during the huge recovery stuff, when it was, you know, you're making a lot of money based on that stuff. My stuff was rocking a, a whole 5%, I want to say, for 14 years Oops. before I figured out, oh, I need to move this. I like this so, shit. Oh my and God. so when it comes to me counseling, my kids, I was like, make sure you know yeah. what you're doing. Make like, sure you look at this. Yeah. So that my money probably would have doubled or even yeah. tripled the money that's in there currently. Yeah. You know? Double or triple, you know, by then. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was 
option. So can you move it at any time? Yep. You can just switch it. Yep. Now, once you switch it, the money that's in there has to stay or you can completely remove it out. I could go in there and move it to a completely different fund right now. Everything from one fund to the next. Yep. That's good. I That's important. I but, love how they give you all the most that. You, you have to set the allotments, right? So if you want 10% of your paycheck sure. to come out every single month, right. yeah. you want it to go into you put whatever. And then you have people are that's a really good uh point because one of your one of your points is it's really easy to not do that and it's also really easy to go set up the allotment do 15 percent if you're not in debt right now in there don't ever don't ever live off of it don't ever think about it and as your pay increases so does your investing and this is how you build wealth without even thinking about it and you don't spend it because it's over there and it is hard to get it's it's hard to it's hard to get me to give up an extra because i came in again 2000 it's, it was really hard to convince me to give up 10, 20% sure. of my paycheck when I'm making, I think, $300 a paycheck or something like that at the time. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Um, so I, it, it was hard to do it, but I think we started it when you know, I got married. So I wasn't doing full, but, but yeah. So, but yeah. once it, once it, once it got going, it was like, okay, yeah, I took, feel like I took a pay cut, but at the same time, I, I knew it was somewhere else. It was mentally, it was. I mean, it was well, and this is the, this is the problem, like we said, they don't coach you and you're very young, like part of, part of like in boot camp, you used to be able to sign up for GI Bill and you have somebody making two, $300 a paycheck and you're saying, Hey, let's, what was it? We're talk, so you're talking about the Montgomery GI Yeah, so I know. It was an extra hundred dollars out of your pay per month. Which is again, when I'm making $300. Yeah. I mean, it's totally actually worth it, but you have right. to, you would really have to tell an 18 year old. Yeah. You have to really. And I chose not to. Yeah. And I regret the heck yeah. out of it. I was not, again, no. But the same, it's the same with the TSP. It's all of these. If we, if I could sit there and talk yeah. to you as a, as an 18 year old, we could probably get through to view or fi- help you figure out how to do it. But that's not happening. It's like, as you're walking out the door, hey, do you want to sign up for this to invest for your future? No? Okay, bye. I'm going to your pay every $300. Yeah, you're going to have no money left. Okay, now that's now. Okay, bye. And that's the whole conversation. Yeah. You have so. to lay the foundation yeah. of yeah. having these conversations. Well, and they're not. It's And it's not anybody's fault. No, it's nobody's actual job to t- help you right. get ahead in your financial future. But if we could, if we could sit down with sure. all of them, we oh, would, yeah, we she would talk about well. like, If we can just get a room full of like 18-year-old kids, yeah, we would just love to just speak live over them and show them a chart of like, yeah. if you start investing now, even if it's 50 yeah. bucks a month or something small, what yeah. that could turn into later on. And how that just going to set you up for a really great future. Yeah. Mark was the same way. When I first met him, he had some petty debts. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's got to get fixed. And then he wasn't investing in his 401k at Publix. And I was like, but why? And you know, his, he's the same way. Like I'm making nothing. How do you yeah. expect me? And I'm like, oh, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And then now they got figure it out. Right. You do figure out how to, how to, yeah, you're always, yeah, there's a principle. I don't remember who it is. Pareto. I don't think that's it. But the, you know, it's you're going to expand or shrink to what's available. So if you yeah. if your paycheck is all of a sudden now five hundred dollars and it was six, you will figure out yeah. how to make it happen. And what you want to do is take uh, we call it like a financial straitjacket. Make yourself have to figure it out. Like yeah. take away the ability to spend all of that. Put it where it's supposed to and make it work. And that goes along with what you're saying with the new. So people were upset with the new retirement program because they love the idea. I do twenty years and I have a guaranteed paycheck. Right. If you understand the new retirement program, if you get nerdy with it, you can do better. Mm-hmm. You can do better and you just... Because they have a match now. So, and they they never had the match. Well, obviously. So, and what made my retirement system, the high three, um, inferior 
was essentially if you fell a day short of that 20 year mark, you have nothing. You have nothing. You have whatever you put in your TSP and that's it. Yes. One day. Unless, unless you have to apply. Well, um, if you get, if anything, yeah. Um, you, something happened. Yeah. I mean, now granted, that's very unlikely that they, that you fly just a day short like that, but some people were, had to get out at 17 or 15 or whatever. Oh, so that's, vaccines, that's, that's a, a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a risk. lot of risk, that's you know, sure. yeah. versus now they do a match and, um, you still can retire at 20 years, but she'll get 50%, you get 40%. Yeah. Uh, you can get to 50% by going over 20. Right. But imagine like there's a whole industry, you know, fi uh, financial independence retire early. Imagine if you took advantage of the TSP from day one as aggressively as you could, right. as much as every dollar as you could put in it and they're matching. And you have that 40% that pension coming to you. Like you can do better, right? easy. I mean, it's not easy as you're going to have to make sacrifices, but you can do better with People again, they don't educate you. You right. don't. You think, oh, I'm losing out. This is worse. But there is an opportunity to do better for sure. Well, I think it just goes along with if you're expecting somebody else to manage your right. retirement, you're expecting to. I work the old mentality, and this time we went to my husband and I went to New York for a wedding, and we were talking to his young cousins, and mm -hmm. you know they are so cute. They have this new house they just bought. They have a new baby and they're trying for their second. And they have a mentality of, well, you work in a job, you retire, and then you live up that retirement. And I'm like, oh, let me tell you what I think about that. And it's just like, if you have the opportunity to, you say where your money went. Yeah. You control your retirement. Don't live off of what somebody else says you're going to have for the rest of your life. Like, with, with the FIRE community, that's all about like empowering yourself to know the investments right. and figure no, it out yeah. and, and then uh, not manipulate it, but make it work yeah. in your favor. So that way you're not just living off your pension. You're li maybe living off that plus dividends, plus other investments, plus this and that. So, yeah. and I, so unfortunately th this is my problem with social security program it is you're, you are outsourcing it's, and, and then a smaller scale, a lot of people live off of those tax refunds. Like the only time I can do anything with my life is when I get my IRS refund. The, but the, but the bigger thing here is the military or the government is going to, to save my money for me. The government is my, is the one, the thing that's, that's so my financial it. security. Right. And what we want to do is, is do better <laughs> than that. And you can take charge of your finances and you can save and, and have way more like full security is going to be a drop in the bucket for you. Right. You're going to have a whole financial plan to get to but beyond that and you don't you're not relying on anyone else like you said so all right so what are some things people need to know about retiring maybe like an overlook so well uh, some basic things that come to mind are off top of your head well so my just know that like for instance 50 percent of an enlisted e7 you know is gonna is gonna land somewhere around like the mid mid 2000 right so 2500 or so but just understand that there, that it, it felt like vultures a little yes, bit it did. when I, when I got out, yeah. all the different things that were being trying to be sold to me yeah. as I was getting out. Oh, have you thought about doing, have you thought about a medical now? Of course, I was thinking about medical because, you know, I'm about to lose my medical benefits right. from the military. So in the medical benefits, the retirement medical, you can still have TRICARE. You still can pick whatever you want as far as TRICARE goes. And it's, and it's extremely cheap compared to what the outside is. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. medical is, is of course awesome, but you do have to pay for it. Sure, yeah. And I think it's, I think it's somewhere like 75 bucks or something mm -hmm. like that. Dental, you also have to pay for dental. Dental is more medical mm -hmm. and doesn't cover as much when you actually go to the dentist. So that's another, I don't know, I, I, I put down a hundred dollars. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I was using it through my, the company I work for. So don't tell you that one. A big one that they hit me with or tried to yeah, hit me with really was, cool. was something called the survivor benefit plan. Yeah. So this is, so I want to say 
was $150 a month. And what that would allow to happen is something happened to me. Who's getting the um, retirement? Something happened to me if I, if I passed away after a while, once I'm retired, my family would still receive half of my retirement, which is half of my activities. So, you know, like I said, if it's, if it's $2,500, it was $1,250. So that's one that I looked at. And I was like, wow, that's $150 a month out of my pay. And I mean, once you opt into it, I don't think you can get out. I think the way I, I said that wrong. Two years after you opt into it, they give you the option. Two years after you retired to either start it or stop it. Mm. I didn't do it um, at all, um, but that is that was something I do remember about it. But once I think you pass to that point, like you, you're, it's, this is what you're doing. Like yeah. it, it's gone. That hundred fifty dollars month is gone. Yeah. And for me, I had been listening to a lot of radio shows and doing a lot of research on life insurance, and I was like, well, I can go get term life insurance for Less however much half a mil, a whole mil. Yeah. For much cheaper than one hundred and fifty dollars a month, right. and so you got to you got to balance it. You got to roll the dice. There is some right. there is some comfort there, but then at the same time, they're like, you know, what's she gonna do with twelve fifty? You know, or, or you know, or however much that's too twelve fifty a month. So, yeah. And then of course another one. Now this one I'm not as familiar with, but you know, while you're at the duty, you have something called service service group service men's group life insurance at least mm-hmm. Sigley, which is your life insurance while you're while you're on active duty. That stops and then of course you have to transition over to something called or something else you can either right. go shop for life insurance yourself which is what i did or you can go uh, with the veterans group life insurance which from all i've been told unless anything's changed it's essentially it starts out kind of low depending on how old you are but it, it doesn't necessarily lock in a rate for you the way that a term life plan from a company would, would do such as new york life or pacific it was life, whole whatever. it was whole it, I don't know if it's a whole lot, but it just, it, it, it keeps, it keeps, it just keeps raising. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I could not, I, again, something could change there, but I just know that it was the way it was pitched to me was it's, it is, this is not a permanent solution. This was, is a, this is to tide you over to you go get your own life. Insurance. Right. But part of the pitch was just do this now. And because it, it their rates were reasonable, think, and then it jumped at some point it jumped and they're like, and then you can go then. And requote. Oh, sure. So when you're older and have more problems and you have to, when you, because your life insurance, they're checking your health, right? Then you can go get cheaper life insurance. It's like, hold on, let's not think, let's think this through. We want, and, and but, but yeah. this is the thing. And you didn't talk about this, but we're going to go back to it. But well, they don't talk about this to you in your, when you're separating. So you have these people that have had no financial education for, and they're about to lose most of their income. And you have this decision. It sounds good. Like, oh, it's really cheap. It rolls right from what I already have. I don't even have to do anything. Plus work. Right. Yeah. And, and okay, let's do that. But, but you have to think about the whole picture, which is later it's going to cost me more and I'm going to have less money then. Right. And I'm going to have less help then. So on that, um, I got to say this, when I initially started looking at quotes, my initial quote was 25 bucks. Once they looked at my records, once they looked at, you know, my background, his medical records, all that stuff, my, my insurance became $68 a month, not $25 a month for the exact same quote that I had gotten. Mm-hmm. That's where the civilian market really, the open market, I guess you'd say, it is not going to benefit. So I'm, I was lucky enough, I don't have a lot of injuries or anything like that, but there are going to be folks out there who, who, yeah. who are genuinely physically messed up sure. or whatever. But nobody will insure. Yeah. And yeah. nobody, and maybe nobody will insure them. And that's where right. the, right. the BGLI will think yeah. that. Cool. So there is a, there is a pros and cons yeah. chart out there. You can go look at on their website. 
and it's you can break that down and so basically you're getting out you're you're you might have a lot of injuries you might you know yeah. whatever it may be that's that's where you want to go so when you separate from the military they have a class and they spend a lot oh no i'm just kidding zero basically zero time teaching you about budgeting or teaching the concept that you're about to lose half of your income at least some of you it's going to be all of it because you're you know not retiring you're just getting out they don't talk about, about anything at all so what first of all let me i'll just caveat that because i know exactly what you're talking about so the tap the class she's talking about is the tap or was it transition assistance program mm-hmm. now when we went through initially because we were both in at the same time at the same base yeah it was it was basically like here's how to go get a job and do an interview right so that's basically yeah. what it was brought back to there wasn't much budgeting or anything like that at all the one i went to in 2019 did cover budgeting did cover how to write a resume it covered a lot more stuff and so again i think that's gonna be one of those case-by-case basis no, they covered budgeting um, for, for like a minute but they spent more time on the credit score even that one is really they did uh, they did some credit score so of course but, uh, but yeah so and that's again because it's not just talking about retirees they're talking about people just getting out so so my smooth transition the biggest impact that i had was essentially getting out of debt yeah, we we, we had no we didn't have any car payments. We didn't have any credit card. We never had credit cards really after the first two years we were married anyway. And we didn't have anything else out there. That all we basically had was a mortgage, and that the mortgage. And then we and then we put a big we saved up a lot of money. We had a nice pad, you know, just mm-hmm. just raised the transition. Yeah. So and then we were able to move where we wanted to move. Our military will move you as far as I think it's as a retiree they'll move you anywhere stateside, and we got paid to do it, which we did again. And then we came down here and we were able to smoothly transition. And like I said, COVID happened like yeah. two weeks afterwards. And for us, it was kind of like, well, this is crazy, but I'm not worried about my finances at this yeah. point versus had I had car payments, had I had this and that, if things had been much tighter, I would, I would always have been a lot more worried. Yeah. But, and I like your point here is that, you know, don't, don't wait until it's here. It's like, Start planning for it now, which is what we try to teach. Like you can, you can know what your retirement life is going to look like right now and start, and start getting toward, working toward that point. But how many times did you check the retirement budget tab that we had? How many times did you check that? Every day? The retirement budget tab? Yeah. On our, oh. on our budget. And we had the retirement version. How many times did you check that to make sure you could actually get out? <laughs> a lot. So many times. More than once every day. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and we tell, well, luckily, like I said, the last six years. I, I knew where I, I I knew I did not want to really stay in after this, the mm-hmm. the twenty year mark, mm-hmm. and I was able to, you know, financially sell myself for that. So, but t- yeah, but, but I was just going to say I love how like you hear them saying they did a retirement budget before he got out to make sure that it would work. They yes. figured it out to say if like maybe y'all made five six. If I know Chris, maybe ten different scenarios of what that would look like based on if he got this job or if he didn't get a job or went back to school or if he did whatever. Like, so that way you can just see the full picture and be okay and set in the fact that I am getting out and I know I can. I did the hard work. I've saved up. I'm ready. Yeah. And and then you can go, like, you just kind of wipe your hands of it and move on. Yeah. So again, that's, that's basically exactly what we did. What about tuition tuition assistance? Tuition assistance? So tuition assistance is, at least, again, this is going to be from the Air Force perspective. They basically pay for you to go to school up to a certain amount every year. I did not take enough advantage of that. Well, I was a shift worker for most of my time and I just didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> I wish I had at this yeah. point because it, I'm doing my degree post-retirement. Yep. And it's, it has held me back a little bit from getting a job that I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, and you can do tuition assistance while you're in right. and you still get yep. college paid for 
after you're out as well. So get as many degrees as you want. And this has been especially important for all these people that we know that always want to go to school for the rest of their life, which we do know them. Which, yeah. So, I mean, I've used the GI Bill since I've been out, which of course I think most people would be familiar with, but right now the post 9-11 GI Bill, they, they pay you a housing stipend. So, and that's going to be very contingent upon where you live. So yeah. if you say where, where we live, I can go over here to this zip code and two towns over mm-hmm. and go to that school and I will get paid for that yeah. school zip code. Or I can go over here to this city and get that zip code. And that can, it can vary wildly. Wildly. One thing I didn't know until I actually did it was the amount that is deducted from your 36 months of GI Bill benefits is contingent upon what it costs. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, I went to a trade school when I first got out and I went there for a full year. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I went, and I, they, the VA sent me my GI Bill statement mm-hmm. of benefits efforts and they had only deducted two months from my total. And I said, well, how is that possible? You know, I went for a whole year. I went for some, like seven, eight months. Yeah. And, and they were like, oh, it's based on the costs. Mm-hmm. And so I, and she basically told me like, there's a lot of people that actually just come through every program that we have here and, and just get, they'll go to carpentry school or they might go to auto mechanic or they might go to welding school. And just, so it's kind of, so just be aware mm-hmm. of that. It can, it can vary by, uh, by cost, you might be able to stretch out your GI Bill benefits a little more. And what did I do? Well, that, that was the chapter. That was Montgomery. How I got a refund made. You originally paid yeah, the Montgomery GI Bill, which you had to pay for. You converted it over to the 911 GI. Yeah, but I used it all, so I got the refund. But but I also with the 911, didn't I get like a whole semester, and I only had like one day left? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's there's a lot of be there's a lot of GI Bill. So if you have like it's so weird. All math and military is wrong. Okay, so if you ever to get like the the VA disability rating, it's the worst thing you've ever, ever tried to figure out and just don't try. But if you don't use all of your benefits, if you have one day left, you can get a whole semester. That's what I'm, that's what I want to say. I don't know how, how it works, but that's what happened to me. I had, I I didn't have very much luck, but I was able to still get another semester. Mm -hmm. And I, so I use every single drop and that is the lesson. Use every single drop that you can all the time with your money. Okay, last program that we want to talk about is Skillbridge, right? So Skillbridge was a new program when I was getting out. It wasn't very well advertised, but essentially what that does, and it's going to be up to your leadership and, and what to decide if, how much they're going to give you off. But mm-hmm. you can get up to six months off. Not, it's not all. If you're still on yeah, active duty, sure. you're still getting paid for active duty, uh, but you can go essentially in free internship with a company. So that company is not allowed to pay you uh, per the, per the uh, regulation, at least it was when I was in. Yeah. And they couldn't pay you. You were basically free labor doing an internship with the idea that hopefully it leads to a job afterwards. Yeah. And I, I did mine to get exposure to, I, I want to, you know, I was working on cars and stuff like that is what I was doing and the civilian stuff of things. I did not get a job with that. I didn't pursue a job with that company afterwards. Yeah. I decided to go back to the yeah. trade school and mm-hmm. get more expertise on it. Yeah. Now that being said, we're looking at job uh, boards and whatnot, uh, job advertising boards, partic- particularly jobs that have like clearance requirements yeah. and things like that. I'm seeing a lot of jobs out there, a lot of companies that will, they're advertising skill rich positions. So with that being, and these jobs are hard to get into if you have no experience, but if they're going to do skill rich and bring you on and get you however many months of training right there, you yeah. know, beside them, get to know you, I can see that being a lot there pretty beneficial. So and they don't look out. Yeah. I think what's important about that is to see that your, fi- your education is a financial investment. Yeah. And, you know, so we're just, we're talking about the S&P 500 and our very close friend says, 
invest in the S and me 500 or whatever. And that's what that is. You're investing in a new skill and in networking and, and, and you're using the buffer of the transitionary. You don't have to worry about not making money right. you in a new job or a new, or a new industry because you, you have that six month bumper. And that is the most important thing. And, and there's so many things, there's so many times that people take advantage of stuff like that because it's a little weird or it's different or it's new or it might make you a little uncomfortable or it just literally takes a whole piece of paper you have to fill out. Right. But you have to take advantage of those things to get ahead for sure. I had a client who did the same thing. And so he did the Skillbridge program. And then when he got out, realized, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But, it, you know, so I'm, that's kind of not me. Yeah. But I'm glad that you guys did that to know now before you didn't have a paycheck that this isn't something that I wanted to do, or maybe it was a less, because, you know, I don't know if your situation, uh, but his was, if he, if the company was actually paying him, he was going to be paid less than what the military was paying him because it was kind of an internship with a uh, ground level job, which is fine, but I'm really glad that he did that while he was receiving a steady paycheck yeah. before getting out. So that well, was I'm, really good, just not training, but it was just really good. It was just eye-opening. And that's the point of the program, which is why it's really important, is your, most of your military people are not going to have a job that you can, relate to the outside unless you feel well some cases if you continue to work for the for the government in some capacity you will but you don't have a job you don't have a skill set that the civilian market wants right love you but you don't so this is why you're going to use this program to get one or try your hand at one and that's why they're doing it that's that is the heart behind the program is to help you transition to being a civilian and getting a new skill set getting a new job career path this it's a valuable program for that reason yeah well, thanks so much for coming on and speaking to all of our, our military people on this. We live in a huge military community. We know that we have military listeners. We appreciate all your knowledge, all your experience, all of your do's and don'ts. <laughs> I just have one final question, though. Mm. If you had, if you were going to advise somebody, because we, we decided one of our friends, they just, their kids just joined the Marines, and we know yeah. all these people. If you're going to advise somebody just now joining the military on some fight, like you had an opportunity to meet with them financially coaching, what would you tell them? Oh, well, I would tell them, uh, one, start the TSP. That way you never even see that money. Yeah. And it will automatically adjust because you go by percentage, 20% yeah. of the base rate, 30% of base, whatever it is. You'll, you'll, every time you get a raise, they're still going to take 30% of that raise. Yeah. Or however much. And so you're never going to, you're never going to miss it because you yeah. never had it in the first place. So yeah. anyway, I would do that. And then I would say, stay the heck out of debt. Yeah. Cause that's going to, that's going to get you. You know, pay cash. <laughs> pay, pay cash for everything that you possibly can. And yeah, yeah. and just, just, just be smart about it. The military, even starting out at the lower ranks, so like E1 or whatever it may be, like you can you can make a lot of money. And the longer you stay in, of course, you can, you can make nice. uh, a decent living and uh, set yourself up for a lot of success later on in life. But if you saddle yourself with a bunch of debt while you're in, well, one, how many times have people had to re-enlist because they just simply could not afford mm -hmm. to get out? Like even if they, even if say they wanted to get out of the military. Yeah, even if they wanted to get out of the military, that they can't, they can't, they got too much debt. And, and they may not be able to get a job that, yeah. that's going to take care of that. Yeah. And we always talk about like, that's the definition of financial freedom for a lot of people is being able to do what you want on purpose and you don't have that. And so it translates in the military as well. If you, if you don't have the financial picture to yeah. get out, yep. then, then you're stuck doing something maybe you don't want to do, or maybe you didn't want to do as long as you wanted. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And of course I would tell them to go to school. <laughs> And go to school and you take advantage of every free resource or every resource that you have as soon as you can. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So this all caveat is from my perspective, from my experiences in an Air Force. Yeah. Um, it's in no way a professional learning. And, and, and things change quite yeah. uh, in the yeah. uh, and, 
And please say the, the so end. Of, may be outdated. Yeah, no, legally is at the end. This yeah, is, like when they read it, really should ask. This is it all at the end. It's not official advice. Whatever. Not being used in a court of law. All right, that's awesome. If any of this resonated with you, I bet you know someone that it might also help. And if you do, would you mind sharing this podcast with a friend, share it on social media, text to somebody? We'd love to be able to help as many people as possible. Yeah, take 30 seconds and give us a review. We would love to be able to share your experience with our podcast with others so they know how it helped you in your life. <music>